This is Jim Semivan, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. For a while now, you might have heard me tell you the podcast is sponsored by Zencaster, and it still is. I've been working with Zencaster as my audio host for quite some time now. The podcasting industry has also grown at an exponential rate over the past two years and it's expected to grow to more than a $150 billion industry by 2030. I've said before, I'm a huge fan of podcasting and if you're a fan of podcasting or investing, maybe both, Zencaster has now announced its round of crowdfunding. You can invest as little as $100 and join a community of other investors who seek to help Zencaster and independent podcasters succeed. If you're interested in investing in Zencaster, go to wefunder.com forward slash Zencaster or click the link in my episode description below to claim your slice of the future of podcasting. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. We're starting the year off, well it's the 13th of January with a breaking news podcast, but it's a couple of months later than expected. This is us talking about the UFO report, the long delayed UFO report that was due on the 31st of October 2022, which dropped on the 12th of January 2023. Joining me from Mexico, as always, is Dan. Welcome. Hello, hello. I was going to say hello in Spanish then, but I don't want to throw the yeah, language think, of the program I think you've done that last time, yeah. yeah, yeah I, think we'll I, just, I, should, I should just, I, I'm going to open up from now on with movie quotes when you introduce me, and, and then you can try and guess the movie. So for today, I'm just going to go for Allo Beastie. Mm. Oh, is that an alien type one? It's not, no. No, but I, was it is a creature. I was going to say Starship Triples. Oh, this, I haven't watched that in a while. Yeah. No. I'll leave it there. Know. We'll let the listeners yeah. try and guess as well. So have a think yourself, folks. And I was going to say send in, but I'll know by the end anyway. So um, <laughs> we're, we're going to record this and get it straight out. And hopefully it'll be on the YouTube for you within 24 hours as well. So quick turnaround on this one. Uh, the plan was to have the interview with Chris Plain that I recorded yesterday as we speak about this out. But literally minutes before I recorded with Chris, the report dropped. So myself and Chris spent 20 minutes going through the report at a glance. And then we moved on to the interview previewing 2023 so it was a really interesting chat especially for those with a an an edge towards the science and the technology side of things incorporating the ufo stories as well and chris dropped in some very cool nuggets of things that are coming in 2023 including in around two weeks time a debrief article which is going to have an update on the chicago o'hare incident from 2005 2006 um and there there may be some new evidence coming forward with that. And Chris himself oh, wow. said that uh, it's not debunking it either. So interesting. So I'm looking forward to that. And there was a few other nuggets he touched on as well. So definitely check that one out. But that one will go up early access over the weekend. But it'll be out for Monday or Tuesday on all the feeds as well. And then up on YouTube by like Tuesday, Wednesday. So we'll get that all, all up and out for you as well, folks. But yes, uh, listen, as we said, Dan, the report finally dropped around two and a half months overdue. It just kind of came out of nowhere. There was very little rumblings. A few people I know hours before were kind of of the opinion something was going to happen. Sean Kirkpatrick was doing a talk, wasn't he, a presentation that wasn't related, but that seemed to get the, the chatter going as well, that it was going to come out and, yeah, it just dropped. So I think it's fair to say I've had... We've not spoke about it yet, folks. Uh, genuinely, I texted Dan yesterday the link, but by the time it was the evening and it's Dan's kind of morning afternoon, we didn't get a chat to actually go back and forward on it at all. Um, I was in bed last night. Uh, as I said, you know, the kids are up early and stuff. Then it's, it's Dan's nighttime. 
and we've left the chatter even when we hit record to literally talk about it now. I've had the 24 hours, Dan, to reflect on it. I get people are a little bit disappointed. People are a bit deflated. It's, it is sort of what I expected. And for the love of God, for the couple of people who were unhappy with me saying that online, you know, get over it. But it, it's just true. It's kind of what I expected. I didn't expect there to be much in it. There was potentially, maybe, even a little bit less than I thought would be in it. And you're totally allowed to be annoyed or frustrated at it. I'll be more annoyed or frustrated if the next one that's due out, and we'll get to that, is the same. I'm going to get... Am I going to give them a pass? Can I even say that? They don't give a shit if I give them a pass or not. Um, I, I'm going to say I get why this one potentially has been the way it is. I'll let you kick off, Dan, with your initial thoughts before we chew out some of the details and numbers out of it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, I agree with you. This this is the report that the UAPTF or AIMSOG should have submitted as, as like their last thing before being dissolved and turning into Arrow. Arrow is a new thing, or, or at least they're selling it that way. You know, wasn't operational till kind of late in the year. So they've essentially handed in someone else's late group homework here. So it contains a really kind of minimal amount of information, but it's it's wiping the slate clean. And I, I get a sense of, you know, let's get this over with. Let's just fulfill the requirements from the last NDAA, not this new one with the whistleblower stuff, and just get that out of the way. And then we can focus on what we're doing and focus on the next report. That That's what came across to me here. Yeah, and the way I looked at it eventually last night as I kind of saw people going back and forward online and seeing the frustrations and people messaged me. I had voice notes from listeners. I was getting emails from people, DMs, with a lot of different different opinions, largely erring on the frustrated side was it was the same thing. It was almost the, the outline of a report, which we already had to say this is what we should be doing. And it's like, yeah, we knew that from last time, but it's a different team that's been put together. I don't know, Dan, do you know, did they have the same, less or more time than Travis Taylor, who put together the last task force report? I, I would say less time, because this office is, you know, it's understaffed and underfunded. They're just kind of getting rolling and getting all their eggs in a row. So, yeah, I would say less time. The The only date that's referenced in the document is the dates of... Uh, you, you know, the, the database that they have, how many UAP incidents, and that was the 30th of August. So I assume that was kind of the cutoff for them, uh, you, you know, and everything since then we'll see in the next report. Do you want a horrendous analogy for this? It's just came to Go mind. <laughs> it's a, it's a, oh God, this is about a couple of weeks out of date as well, but I don't know why this <laughs> came to mind. It's a little bit like taking over a Christmas tree farm in the middle of the year. But you really had to be farming the Christmas trees from January. And now that it's June, you've planted all the trees and all the customers have arrived in December to get their Christmas trees and they've all just kind of started blooming and not really fully grown yet. And they, it needed more time and you should have probably just left it to the following year, but you went ahead and sold the trees anyway. Yeah, and and add to that the you know the no demanding the trees no, as well, right? Yeah, no, appreci like, no, no appreciation for that. I, I'm Thanks, giving Dan. you a round yeah. of applause. Thanks. I like yeah, it. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, not not one I of our stronger efforts, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's for the love of God, I don't know why that came to mind. Um, Christmas no, tree farms. Yeah, it's a good one, and it's a thematically correct one as well. You know, everyone's kind of yelling for the report. They had to give something in. Um, it, it feels almost like one step forward, two steps back, because like you say, right. it's 
yeah, gone. Okay, so you say there, Dan, that they had to get something in. So it was it was mandated that they had to do it. It was late, but there was no there was no legal requirement as we found out for it to be submitted by that date. That was just sure. the date that was requested. I'm sure there are frustrations in the background from those who requested that initially, but here we are. So is it is it almost better if there were no unclassified versions of these reports for maybe for some people because then there wouldn't be this expectation that there's going to be some kind of smoking gun evidence in one of these reports. And the way I put it yesterday was it's a little bit like hearing a new documentary is coming out and waiting months and months for the documentary. And when it gets released, finding there's no smoking gun footage that proves conclusively there's alien life in the galaxy. You're not going to get that. And same with Skinwalker Ranch. You're not going to see the new series of Skinwalker Ranch and see an episode that conclusively proves there's a non-human intelligence because it's not going to happen. That kind of stuff will be a big announcement online. It won't be held back. It'll be press conferences. So it's it's similar though, isn't it, to expect that from this report? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, you, you know, if we found evidence of ET, we, we'd be looking at like a NASA announcement, European Space Agency, you know, it would be a whole kind of, it, it would be a big deal. You, you're not going to get that in a little PDF report released on a website three months late, you know, um, there, there's going to be a deeper analysis with it, you would get the data and everything like that. Um, this is essentially, I mean, you could see it, right? Like two of the pages in this report literally list the requirements from the NDAA, it quotes the NDAA, and it says, you wanted this, and we've satisfied this here. You wanted this, we've satisfied this here. There were a few things left out, but those few things left out were things like nuclear relations, which is classified, so that would be in the classified portion. Um, so yeah, I mean, they fulfilled their remit. If, if anything, this shows that the NDAA this year that further empowers Arrow to kind of get data and collaborate and so on and so forth was much needed. And, and that the next report, as you said, should be a little more enlightening. And the report isn't for the public, is it? This is just the unclassified version that the public can access, which is, is again, frustrating in its own way that there's an expectation that comes around it as if this is written for the people. And it's not, and it's not even for us, Dan, because we're not, we're not American citizens. We're not American taxpayers. We are, you know, so I get why someone who's American is allowed to be more frustrated than us because it's, yeah. it's their government and it's their funding. It's their tax dollar, as they say. So it was 11 pages, but the first page was the front cover. The second page was a table of contents. And then the final three pages were the appendix. So really there was what, six pages that were the body of the report. And it's, again, fair to say a lot of the language is just telling you what the remit was. And let's dig into some of the, the, the interesting stuff, though. Um, sure. I, I thought what stood out straight away for me, um, this might not be completely in order, but what I've got is that reporting has increased. And this is down to two things, largely, that the increased awareness of threats of UAP, that it could be either um, a flight risk or adversarial technology. Um, also, the reduced stigma amongst those personnel reporting essentially they can talk about ufos without being laughed at now so more pilots and personnel are free to submit reports and that wasn't happening in the past which is kind of huge right like even we we talk about i've heard the phrase nothing burger probably like 50 times in the past day but 
just that alone that people are starting to feel like they can they can actually report this stuff without being laughed at is is huge there's official channels for this to be reported now um you know even if you think this is blue book 2.0 or something um it's still happening we're still in the modern day of communication you, you know we can hold these people to account a little better than we could back then uh, so it's real interesting and, and a real step forward for me, the next part that was interesting was the list of departments and organizations which there was input from to make the report. However, the what the input was from these organizations or departments isn't listed. But yeah. you have the DIA, the NRO, the NGA, the NSA. NASA will be a standout to folks. The Department of Energy will be a standout to folks. Then, of course, the other branches of the military, which are involved in including some more. Um, the Air Force is listed, but again, that could literally be because there are Air Force personnel who submitted reports, so the Air Force are listed as giving input. That's not yeah. to say they're suddenly all on board, so that's not one we can disseminate too much from, but there was a whole host of departments from which data was drawn, which we can we can take from that. Um, and again, when you think of it, they've had six months to put that together. That's a hell of a lot to go around and then take data from, request data, look through the data, collate it, you know, and again, it sounds like I'm sympathizing with them here, but I am just going to, and in general life, folks, I had to be realistic, right? Yeah. I I get, I was told last night that um, I look, always look at things half full. And if it comes across that way in the podcast, fair enough. I mean, Dan, I'll tell you, I can be relatively negative at the best of times. So I was going to say the other day, you were only telling me that. So it's funny that someone says that. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's like, I'm not that way usually at all. So normally I'd be all in and attacking them. I just think, okay, for this one, because it's a new team submitting the report, you almost have to forget the task force report. But they really, the pressure's on for the next one to have something more substantive. Or what I really hope, and this is, I'm kind of looking at the, the background of these reports. I'm disappointed from the last time that nothing leaked. I thought we might have had something from your Warner, your Rubios, your Gillibrands, silently or secretly getting some information out I mean we just never heard anything more so I was kind of hoping maybe that would come from it um the more people get involved and the more potential funding in there is that fair enough yeah yeah for sure and and I'd love to see people talk about that that um classified version and a bit more about it because it seems to suggest in this that they've specified things like speed trajectory altitude you, you know all these kind of things things that we would love to know um we're still not seeing shapes and that's a fairly basic thing, right? Um, but there must be a giveaway there, whether it's that they don't want no China to know that they know what China's drones look like or that they don't want to say, hey, we're seeing saucers in our training yeah. ranges and then people will, you know, their heads will explode. Um, they, they seem to be holding back on that front for some reason. Yes. One of the numbers that then first comes up is, and this is something we'd, we'd kind of seen on the reports going back to Julian Barnes' New York Times article, of which that was accurate and I don't think many folks actually denied it was accurate at the time. It was just more the the narrative Julian Barnes chose to yes. go down. And this kind of comes across. And interestingly, the mainstream media who's picked up on the story today, as you would expect, is pretty split on how they're reporting it. Either half the reports are completely unremarkable, and that proves there's no sign of anything non-human. Other news agencies have picked up and go with almost half of reports submitted display characteristics that are quite unique etc etc so they seem quite split in how they're reporting it It was 53 percent unremarkable 47 percent remain you know potentially remarkable 
or at least as yet not identified. Let's be fair, of that 47%, there's going to be drones, clutter, balloons, misidentifications, and all of that in there as well. But again, we'd be hoping or expecting that some of that is going to be the, the good stuff, you would think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I just uh, agree with you on that pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, numbers don't lie, do they? Although they do sometimes. Um, there were 510 <laughs> reports overall, but this also includes the reports from the first UAP task force, the 144, um, 366 reports since the last report. Um how many days in a leap year, if folks remember my tweet from a few months ago. So yeah, 366 reports from the last report. Some of those, again, if I keep saying the word report here, sorry, I hope you like it in Scottish. Uh, <laughs> some of those reports actually predate the the task force report. They just weren't included because of the date that they were submitted as well. But we never saw any of the information or breakdown of those reports anyway in this release. So essentially it was just the numbers. I think that's maybe one of the big things, Dan, that's really disappointed people as we've been shown that there have been overwhelming number of reports. Look at all this interesting information that we've got hold of here in number form and we'll tell you nothing about any of them. Yeah, it, the, the lack of information is frustrating because it creates a vacuum that people fill with speculation. You, you know, this is where transparency could be an excellent addition uh, to, to the conversation. And I know, you know, Susan Goff issued uh, a statement saying that they're dedicated to transparency, but that's not what I'm seeing here. I'm I'm seeing like a little bit of transparency and then like holding cards close to their chest. So it, it would be great if we could be, you know, all treated like adults by these institutions devil's advocate hat on here dan but do you still then understand why would it okay thinking out loud would it not be also very questionable if say this report came out yesterday as it had late but had a ton of information it was littered with references to non-human intelligences and extraordinary movements and numbers that was like twenty thousand miles per hour underwater things like that would that not raise alarm bells in the other way that people would then be curious why all of a sudden we had all this information from the government? Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, it would feel like a bit too good to be true, right? Yeah. Uh, so they kind of have to work with the the lowest common denominator, I guess, and, and just kind of steadily go forward. Um, I think this is why we're seeing this dedication to just stats and numbers you know like the like you say the numbers don't lie unfortunately that that kind of lead was buried in the report that one line um that that we're all interested in but those numbers are still there and i found it curious that they they don't necessarily use the word solved in this mm. report they say characterized so they can look at something and go, oh, that's that kind of looks like a balloon. It's likely. Cool. We'll characterize yeah. that as yeah. a balloon. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that they will carry on looking at those cases to not just characterize them, but to, to actually solve them, you know? Yeah, and the majority of the reports and cases within that 510 are from Navy and Air Force aviators and operators, which is going to be pilots and those who are operating various pieces of equipment that would potentially pick up signals or radar, that, that kind of stuff that people would be aware of. So that's yeah. that's not unexpected. That's who you would expect to be reporting these kind of sightings. Anyway, This, this is like a... I thinking of the Julian Barnes stuff, it's it's a really good example of how you use statistics to skew numbers. Um, you, you know, here we can say, oh yeah, you know, there was only one solved out of 144, 
last year, whereas now we've got like 50% solved. Isn't that great? We, we've done better. Actually, mm. no. Now you've got, you know, 170 plus unsolved. Like this is worse. Like, yes, you're solving a lot of them, but there's a, there's a lot more here that are unsolved than you, you initially kind of said. Dan, 75% of statistics are made up. That's a fact. <laughs> so um, I always like that quote because it's just nonsense, isn't it? But I love it. Um, <laughs> Interestingly, th this report was due out on the 31st of October 2022. It's supposed to be a quarterly report, isn't it? Uh, yes. So they'll do one per year unclassified, and then classified, they'll do one per quarter to the committees and, and the officials. Does the date still stand, though, that the, the next quarterly report would then be due the 31st of January? Uh, yes. It might have shifted slightly. I haven't sat down and worked out the dates, but it might have shifted slightly since the new NDAA was signed in. Um, but that maintains the same language, so the dates might just stay the same. That's maybe a question for a, a D. Dean Johnson about the dates. Does he think that the dates are potentially going to, going to move on that? Because you're looking at the next one being due then in two or three weeks from, from a classified setting. But given it's been late, do the dates even mean anything anymore? Is it just going to be a case of you'll get it roughly every three months if we can get it done? Yeah, versus, I suppose, handing two in at the same time, right? Um, yeah. I, I can say at the very least that the, the date of the unclassified report has changed. Um, we'll be looking at like the end of June-ish for that rather than Halloween this year. Dan, you might have the exact language for this handy, but one thing I know that was called out is uh, it's mentioned there are no reported collisions, even though UAP do pose a flight risk, and no reported health implications. I believe the wording is, is it no direct health implications? Yeah, you're totally right. I, I've got this in my notes. Uh, regarding health concerns, there have also been no encounters with the UAP confirmed to contribute directly to adverse health-related effects to the observers. So confirmed directly like they, they're the two words that i would say i, I want to know okay well what unconfirmed health conditions are there possibly what indirect effects on health have there been um it, it sounds like they're not willing to to commit to uap having adverse health effects on observers mm -hmm. but i mean there's certainly something there because they're using this weasley language to kind of get around saying yeah we have some suspicions you know yeah, it's it's a big insurance game potentially when that comes up as well and payouts and we've talked before about backdating payouts potentially to military personnel or any anyone who, who had an encounter with one of these things and wasn't paid out. We, we've heard about rare forms of cancers and various diseases that have been picked up potentially from, from an encounter as well going back decades. So that's one that's never going to again jump out in, in a report, but I imagine that that's your your Gary Nolans and others who are working on those sorts of cases. They have very much hinted at speaking and dealing with those sorts of individuals, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Gary did confirm on Twitter that he doesn't know the data set that um, Arrow is using. So it could be a completely different data set from Gary and Kit Green's work, you know. Um, but you would still expect there to be some kind of correlation present because uh, this stuff has been just prevalent for God knows how many decades now. Like we, we know there's an adverse health effect. It, it's silly to kind of dance around it. Was there anything else outside of the three summary points before I get to those that you you found interesting? Uh, they mentioned working with allies and partners, uh, which makes me just think, where the hell is the UK again? You know, we're, we're just silent on it. Um, oh, I think we are. We are in the meeting next week, aren't we? Down in London about that. So yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we're going to be skewing the stats personally for the UKs there. <laughs> I'll be I'll be just rhyming off statistics that seventy five percent of them aren't true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gary had a really good um, Gary Nolan that is had had a really good summary comment for the report. Uh, he, he wrote that it was almost like someone someone said write a twenty twenty two UAP report with as few specifics as possible as you can and hide the anomalous findings in a paragraph as an obtuse reference deep in the output. And that one line that Gary's referring to is uh, some of these, and there were 171 of these, uh, some of these uncharacterized UAP appear to have demonstrated unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities and require further analysis. Let's be honest, that's what we want this whole report to be about is those incidents. And Senate Intel Chairman Mark Warner issued a statement that was essentially kind of speaking about that. Uh, The last line of which he said... uh, as we work to focus resources on UAP reports that remain uncharacterized and unattributed. So it's fair to say that Mark Warner thinks that this year's NDAA allows Arrow to focus up a bit onto the things that we we suspect that, you, you know, this whole department is there looking at. Chris Mellon as well had a, an article which he covered many different aspects of the report. And I think he's He's relatively positive. He's not as scathing in it as he was when he talked about calling out the Air Force back in back in March, I think, of last year in his debrief article. Um, but one bit I had to clip from it that everyone kind of picked up on was um, Chris Mellon says, and I quote, I've spoken with several credible people who claim the US has evidence of alien technology in its possession. These are indeed exciting times. So that's that's a nice little drop in there from um, from Christopher Mellon. Uh, saying it like it is which is always nice to see i know stephen greenstreet um got he replied to that and and had said that uh in one of his previous articles it was likely eric davis um and i don't doubt that is one of the individuals chris mellon's probably talking about but um just double checking he does say individuals doesn't he, he uses plural uh i spoke about several, several credible people so yeah it's not just eric davis um regardless of what your opinions may or may not be on on eric i, I would love to speak to him at some point i'm sure we all would but um the other being uh, Lou Elizondo was out sending some tweets, wasn't he? Um, he was, yeah. Out of his self-imposed exile from from the socials. Um, and he did mention to a few people uh, that his book, and we'll get to that, would hopefully be out by the end of 2023 as well. Um, I've not seen him comment on the report as such yet, though, Dan. Have you saw anything? Not so much, no. Um yeah, it would be. He's kind of happy that it's ongoing. Uh, from what I can gather on Twitter, um, you know, the efforts are still happening. But yeah, I, I don't think he's he would have a glowing review. Otherwise, he'd be on there kind of messaging about it, right? Yeah, sometimes you're better to hold your tongue if that's the case. Yeah. And do you know what I did think was was nice was he did try and bury the hatchet with a few people I saw as well, which was again good of him. But I think a lot of people could just do with doing that this year and say, do you know what? Let's just forget about let bygones be bygones let's move on past the arguing and the pettiness and and just enjoy the ufo topic for what it is because i'm sure it'll be an interesting year ahead and that's what we're going to talk about in this next half of the show aren't we dan um yeah absolutely but yeah it's not it's not worth the hassle the fighting and the the, the stuff online use the mute button sparingly folks um, and, and let's be honest like even if you spend 15 hours convincing Richard 44125 that there's something anomalous, like you're probably not going to change their mind and stuff like that. It's just, it, it's a bit fruitless to, to spend all your energy uh, just arguing with people online about this stuff. 
yeah there were better things happening you know richard 44125 isn't isn't that great a guy but uh 44126 <laughs> is a long time patreon oh, so thanks richard. is great yeah oh yeah, yeah we, we, all all love, we all love 126 <laughs> yeah it goes without saying um there was a quick summary at the end and uh, the headlines from those are uap continue to represent a hazard to flight safety and pose a possible adversarial or adversary collective collective threat Arrow has been established as the DOD focal point for UAP, which we know, and coordinated efforts between the DOD, the intelligence community, and other government agencies to collect and report on UAP events have resulted in increased data sets spanning multiple security domains. My my kind of final thought and closing kind of statement on it, Dan, is that what we need now is consistency in the regime that's going to be looking after this. We need... Uh, we need Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, regardless of what people again may think or know of him. We we don't know all that much. Um we need him to to make sure he's the person that does lead this through the next year. We need consistency. We need the same people involved. It could probably do with some more funding, no doubt. But the next reports have to have the same people investigating. Otherwise, what we're going to get, if there's a change in personnel, for the love of God, hopefully not another name change, as you end up going back to this same report and the reports become completely useless. And that is when you have to use the phrase nothing burger um, because that that would then just be an utter waste of time to have different people going back over, writing the same square one reports to say, yep, we have to write better reports and we have some data and we're going to look into it. But then by the next time the next one comes along, you're back to square one. Yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. Consistency, uh, you, you know, people not getting complacent with it. Um, and next report is going to be outside of the hands of, of the, the DOD and the ODNI there. So it'll be submitted by the Secretary of Defense. Um, so we should we should see a lot more kind of, I don't want to say transparency because people will expect, you know, pictures of alien bodies and things like that, but, but a bit more of a robust report, I'll say. Dan, knock, knock. Who's there? The year ahead. Let's let it in and discuss 2023. <laughs> uh, we're going to look at some of the stories. This was going to make up the bigger part of the show. but oh, with wait, the, should, oh. should we look at the slideshow first? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. do you know what? Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, I'll leave my joke in where it was, but it's now completely redundant. Thanks. <laughs> 2023, well, you can sit in the corner. Anyway. Anyway. It's a, it's yeah. a 2023, 2023 thing. So. No, okay, yeah. 2023, stay in, go on. <laughs> what is it? They, what is it? Is it George Nury says, "Pull up a chair. There are stories to tell." Yeah, yeah. I like it. on the old coast to coast. So yeah, uh, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, uh, director of Arrow, presented to the Transportation Research Board at the National Academy of Engineering uh, last Wednesday on the 11th of January, and he gave a report that was potentially a little more interesting uh, than the UAP report that was released. It seems that when Dr. Kirkpatrick is on his own. He's willing to speak a bit more widely about this subject. So, for example, um, in in this report, he or presentation, he discussed uh, Arrow's aims, their methods, what they hope to achieve. Um, he defined UAP as sources of anomalous spaceborne, airborne, seaborne, or transmedium observations that are not yet attributable to known actors or causes, which is a bit of a wider definition that was in the NDAA there. He lists a bunch of vital questions for the intelligence community and for science with regard to UAP. So they want to know about the technical behavior and contextual characteristics of the phenomena, the composition, the movement, the capabilities, the vulnerabilities, the tech gap between the US and it, 
hazards, um, indications of foreign observation and reaction to the phenomena too. And he also talks about the disposition of the phenomena, which is interesting because a disposition usually requires like an intelligent control, you know, to feel whether it's a threat or whether it's chilled out and peaceful and stuff like that. There's a really interesting line in there that says, uh, the consequence of UAPs in the vicinity of strategic capabilities is high, potentially threatening strategic deterrence and safety of civil society. He's talking about nuclear weapons here. And he's doing so vaguely, but that's really interesting that he's actually getting that in there instead of just leaving it out entirely because it's it's something that's highly classified. He highlights that he's worried the foreign actors will attribute UAP to the USA technology, which is, again, is really interesting in and of itself because if other countries are seeing them and here he is saying, I don't want them to think that's us, who is it? There's an implication there that, that could do some questioning from journalists. He linked to a... 1994-2010, because it was updated, article about China calling for international collaboration, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, you, you know, usually collaborating with countries like China, who they consider an adversary in many ways, would be off the table. But here he is highlighting that uh, a bunch of scientists uh, had a meeting there and decided, yeah, you know, we need to get a, a worldwide kind of study on this going. He highlighted that He's interested in potential communications and coordination between UAP, uh, which is, again, interesting. And he, he speaks about what they expect in UAP reports. So this stuff, I assume, would be in the classified section for each of these incidents, the, the hundreds of incidents that were specified in the report. So he'd want location, a description of the events, the advanced capabilities and characteristics include in the physical state of whether it's a solid, a liquid, or a plasma and that excites me because <laughs> there's a lot of connection between Earthlight's plasma and UAP and not necessarily in like a dull way either to just say, oh, yeah, it's ball lightning, but in a more of a fascinating, wow, these things are capable of a lot more than we is thought it, is, that, were. is that aimed at me, that dull comment? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, they want to know if they're under intelligent control. Uh, they want to know the UAP performance, including the path, trajectory, speed, altitude, Lots of information from the observers as well, like the effects on the observer, any other observers who were affected. So this is a lot more intriguing than the report is because they're, they're essentially detailing things that, you know, we, we all want to know. This this is the stuff we want to know. Like, was there a UAP traveling 30,000 miles an hour? If yes, it's probably, you know, not hypersonic if it's doing a right angle turn. If they list that in the report, the gloves are off, Right. I'm going to be completely honest and admit that I do love a bit of cool technology, but not all the best tech is classified. So when Blendjet got in touch about their new Blendjet 2.0, I was very excited to try it out, especially as one of those protein shake people that many folks hate. Just shaking never has the same results as a blender does, let's be fair. Blend Jet 2 is portable so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blend Jet 2 is whisper quiet so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house, a big one for me folks, and it lasts for 15 or more blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blend Jet 2 cleans itself, just blend with water water, a drop of soap and you're good to go. With over 30 colours available there are something for everyone. Personally I'm a huge fan of the car
carbon fibre. What are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code THATUFO12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code THATUFO12 to get 12% off, remember folks, and that free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. So yeah, I mean, that that was a really great presentation and snuck in there as well was the new logo for Arrow. Did you see this? Yes, I saw the translation as well. I think Ronnie Vernet had translated it the first time when I saw. That's right. So I did a bit of a digging around on this because I was like, surely this can't be like the first place this this quote popped up. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Marcus Aurelius, uh, you, you know, the, the, old, the old philosopher there, um, he, it's a line that he wrote, our life is what our thoughts make it. Um, and he was talking about kind of the, the idea of what we see being accurate because of how we view events is affected by our personal perspective. So several people can witness an event and describe it differently uh, since they see it in different ways because they've grown up with a different life and a different attitude. So that's kind of what that's alluding to as opposed to, you know, changing the universe with your consciousness, I think. However, that's, that's Tom DeLong's train of thought isn't it that you it can is. literally manifest the universe and reality by by thinking it and that's what and i it, went with that it, it made me think of um that angels angels and airwaves message that they play at the end of shows and and i just listed it here because i was going to read it because i think there's an interesting possible connection between the two depending on please do because i think both the other angels and airwaves fans listen to this as well <laughs> i'm joking i know they're it's popular. just me and I, know they're, I know they're popular <laughs> Um, so basically the context is, uh, before the last two songs of the set on some of the nights during a 2019 tour, uh, the lights dimmed and an ethereal sounding voice kind of emitted from the speakers. Um, and this is what it said. Hello, we would like you to know that you are part of a grand experiment. It is called humanity. Inside of you, there is something called a soul. It is one piece of a unified mind. Some call this mind God, some call it the source, but both are correct. It is light. It is pure love. It is each star born into the infinite blackness of space. Your soul is an antenna that allows you to connect to the light, to all that is known and to all that will be. This connection is the strongest during times of pain and heartache, for this is when we shall learn the most. During this show, your minds have synced up to the same frequencies, to the same electromagnetic patterns. When we are connected like this, we can achieve wonders beyond imagination. We can initiate miracles. Only then can we experience this physical life in the way we were intended to. As a soul in a physical body, using this connection to change the world. I'm glad Live from New York, that. it's Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, Dan's opening monologue. No, you, you, you've you've told me that before, and clearly Tom's trying to drop in some of the things that he's known knows or learned or, or pieced together. And folks should go back and check out some of the the shows we've done on Tom DeLong as a profile that we've not went back and finished off yet. But I'd like to leave that till a later point where I think there's maybe maybe more to talk about and and put together as a finished piece. I think we'll see some more of Tom this year in the media, especially as Monsters in California gets a release. I think maybe finally we get Tom back out talking a little bit more. Um, and, and Blink are huge as well, right? Like they're, they're enormous, um, judging by the success of the latest single, which has been at the top of the charts in the US for like 10 weeks. 
um, they're bigger than they charts. ever were. Alternative charts, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, they, it seems that they're bigger than, than ever. And as Tom's traveling the world and doing interviews, he's going to be asked about this stuff and he's going to be speaking about it very frankly. Um, and it's kind of exciting that he maybe isn't around these people with, um, you know, classified kind of need to know uh, clearances because it just means that he can speak a bit more freely. So, Dan, let's rattle through some of the things we're going to look forward to then in 2023, okay? Um, we'll call some out and then we'll just get through them in a kind of quickfire type format. But is there any kind of big ones you'd like to touch on first that you think could could make up the, you know, what at the end of 2023 when we're doing that highlight show, what are we going to be talking about? So I think firstly, the big thing for me would be Jay Stratton coming out. Jay Stratton was the, the head of the UAP task force. Uh, he was involved in ORSAP at Skinwalker Ranch. He's the guy who did the initial write-up on the Tic Tac event. Um, and he loved it because there were multiple sensors and so on and so forth. Uh, he's going to be speaking at AlienCon. And and that's in March or uh, March 4th to 5th in Pasadena. That's right. I hadn't seen that. I didn't know he was speaking there. Ah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, we've heard for a number of years that he will eventually come out speaking. But yeah, it seems this year is the year that he's going to come out swinging. So um, I think we're going to be looking back on a lot of what Jay has to say and share with us and, and you know, ruminating on it uh, just because this is the guy that was in the know. Yeah, um, he was basically Lou Elizondo before Lou, wasn't he? And that, that role, is it Lou took over from Jay Stratton? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Listen, um, let me caveat that with I get the whole crossover thing, OSAP, sure. ATIP, et cetera, et cetera, before anyone starts sending me messages. But <laughs> to keep things simple, OSAP, then it went to ATIP, potentially. Lou took over from Jay Stratton. So let's just, yeah, leave that one there. Um, and but yeah. just to throw in as well, Jay Stratton is Axelrod in the book uh, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. So that's worth a read because it has little tidbits like the following. Um, there's a bit where Axelrod uh, details that his son was woken up by a bright light in his room. Uh, his son, Paul, might not be his real name that he used in the book. But uh, Paul was kept up all night by blue and red orbs swiping at him and left these, these left like red contusions on his body. He tried to yell, but he couldn't. He never saw the faces of these kind of two or three shadow people that were in the room with him. And Paul is a little bit kind of deaf. And he said that he could hear these shadow figures screaming. And when he was asked about, you know, how come we didn't hear the screaming? He was like, oh, it wasn't audible. It was in my mind. That gives me chills when I say it, but like there, there's a lot of weirdness that's going to come out with, with Jay sharing his story, I think. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how much of it he wants to go into in detail. And listen, everyone who's got a podcast, a blog, or, you know, as someone on Twitter is tagging him and saying, welcome to Twitter with the hope that one, he follows them and two, uh, that he gives them some kind of interview. I think it's one of those just letting see what he, what he wants to do. But if folks are cordial and kind of, again appreciate what you've got when you have access to these types of individuals um as much as they carry a, a form of celebrity status as much as they're very well known and they've been involved in something you want to know more about so um hopefully jay gets himself out there at least on a few platforms um, again for me the bigger the better I, I like to see these folks on on your rogans of the world and lex friedman because they hold massive audiences and it gets folks interested in the subject who maybe don't hear my show or Vinny's or Ryan Sprague's or the Black Vault, you know. But again, for us, it trickles down. So any news is good news in the UFO world like that. So I, I'm I'm hoping, like you say, Jay Stratton comes out and speaks. Um, 
or maybe even sends a tweet since he joined Twitter about 14 years ago, according to his bio. Um, but has just <laughs> lurked in the background, hasn't he? Yeah, just just watching. This year, Dan, so we've got the report. We're expecting that there should be several classified reports released of which we might hear some stuff. Um, there'll be another unclassified report due by the 31st of October again. Would that be correct? Uh, end, end of June. End of it June? Ah, okay. Yeah. Bit, bit um, earlier. Also, I'm just rounding up politically here, uh, the potential for congressional hearings with the NDAA language allowing for whistleblowers to potentially come forward. However, it's got to be said that that would likely be in a classified setting again. I doubt we're going to see a YouTube live stream of whistleblowers standing talking about special access programs in the middle of Senate or Congress or wherever it might be held. So, But again, I think that can only be a good thing in the background because that's really, for me, that seems the next level up politically to really get those folks out and talking. Yeah, absolutely. Along with that, I think we're going to see some new legislation this year, closing some of the loopholes that, that are kind of present. Um, you know, this year was kind of the carrot saying, hey, come forward, we can protect you. Next year, it's going to be, hey, you didn't come forward, we're going to start hitting the door down with sticks and bricks. <laughs> and, you know, you know, we, we know where these programs are, because we've been told by some people. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they get kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in terms of if someone reports a, you know, a, a, an SAP, a special access program that's off the books to Arrow, Arrow required to report that to Congress within 72 hours. So this could ha- out a whole load of programs, maybe not even UAP related. Uh, you, you know, we could see a whole bunch of uh, crap well, hit the fan here. Let's, let's be fair. Would we ever actually see that? Because let's just say some special access programs are unearthed by people who think they, they're aware or know something that Congress should know about. There's still potential, surely, and I, this is where my political knowledge just stops, but surely if there was stuff that people in the Air Force were working on in a small subsection, small group, they, they could go to Congress and say, look, we're working on something here that should not be coming out. Here is the basic reason why due to X, Y, and Z, then you don't you don't find out about it regardless of what it is because it could be something regarding nuclear weapons, nuclear secrets. It could be some kind of technology that is just nothing to do with UFOs. You know, that, that kind of stuff still isn't going to come out. Yeah, exactly. We're, we would see in the report something like, oh, we've received several reports through the secure system of interesting things. And that would be it, probably, you know, unless someone deems it okay for them to talk about in a public setting, which is all about the executive and Congress. And, you know, that's down to the officials that are processes in place to clear things to, to talk about publicly. But yeah, you're right. It's not it's not guaranteed there. Uh, A slight tease for the Chris Plain interview, folks, if you've not heard it yet, uh, when this comes out on the early access, listen to it when it comes out. Um, Chris, there was an article about potential warp drive. Um, No, I asked him, sorry, that was separate. I asked him, was there anything he worked on last year that didn't come to fruition? And he said he was trying to get an article out that a very, very, very mainstream scientist was working with some very high energy equipment and they've had some extremely interesting results where essentially they've managed to float items like ping pong balls and bits of wood and such. And Chris said to him, you know, so anti-gravity. And apparently they, they hate that term. But yes, that's, that's should, essentially... Should we... Scientists seem to like uh, not anti-gravity, but like a, a repulsion force, you know? <laughs> float power. 
float power let's go with yeah, that floaty power um, that so has yeah. many f stops <laughs> yeah so that that kind of stuff is in the works that's really exciting um not to say that's a special access program but yeah that was something chris mentioned was was kind of relevant so slight tease there for that he goes into a little bit more detail on it but yeah there, there's all kind of things that are going to be worked on that we're not going to hear about um and a lot of even the classified ufo stuff isn't going to come out because that's the whole point of it being classified we might just get some crumbs off the back of that which would be good do we then, and I suppose this is my last one for the political side of things, Dan, do we get any further leaks of photos or videos? Because let's be fair, 2022 was pretty lacking in terms of new footage, new photographs. I mean, that's a good point. I would expect, I mean, Jeremy Colbell and George Knapp have, have hinted that they're about to take the gloves off and kind of start talking about the things that sailors and servicemen gave to them in interviews when they were talking about like the Omaha transmedium uh, ball case and, mm. and things like that. So we should start hearing a bit more of that detail wise. But one thing that it probably won't contain photos or videos, but it will be a huge thing anyway, um, is the, the report going all the way back to 45, um, looking at the intelligence community and government involvement in UAP stuff. We should expect that this year and, and that that will kind of contain hopefully a lot of detail. Um, but then I can't even guarantee that we're going to see that, you know, that might just be a closed off document. I saw online a few people mentioning that it shouldn't go back to 45 because Roswell is 47, but the Trinity case, which I've got the book there, um, someone had posted online, there's copies of Trinity, this book here going for over $200 now on Amazon, which because of the interest in that case, which is disgusting because I'm selling mine for 150 if anyone wants it. Um, no. <laughs> and mine's just a copy that says not for resale as well, so really special. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's based on uh, Jacques Vallée and Paola Harris's work on the Trinity case from 1945. I think you're going to get limited, limited success or limited data from going back that far. Um, However, oh God, I don't want to spoil everything. In the Chris Plain interview, we talked about the LIGO waves, uh, the LIGO measurements being used for sure. gravitational waves. And I asked them, could, given that's going to be used to look out into the Milky Way, could we use that a lot more locally? And for example, the the Chicago Hair event, Chicago O'Hare event we talked about happened 16, 17 years ago. If something like that happened, could we use those lasers more locally? And he said he didn't think they could use those ones that are set up, but there is something they're working on that he was talking about as well. And that's where I wonder, looking back, I don't think we need to go back that far because 2005, 2006, even going back to 97 with the Phoenix Lights, we would have had very good satellite technology we would have been able to, the reconnaissance in orbit would have been really good. Still much, much better than it would have been in the 60s, 70s, 80s and such before we had satellites up there. So surely we could look at what was over Chicago at that time. What did we pick up entering the orbit? You know, again, what did we pick up in terms of ballistic missile uh, places on the coasts? Did they track anything leaving the atmosphere going into orbit? And surely there would be data for those events. That's as far back as you you need to go. Never mind looking at 1945 and 1947, because I imagine a lot of that stuff is just not going to be there now. And and that's kind of one of the points that Jay Stratton made about the the Tic Tac case. You, you know, 
How going much back further was. than that? Yeah, like so many different boats saw it, so many different personnel. It was on so many different systems. You you can really kind of get a handle on it. Um, I say somewhat ironically because we don't have a handle on it. Uh, but something I've found two handles on the box. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what they are. They just pick up things. Just like um, handles. I'm I'm reading a three body problem at the moment as I as I keep saying it's taken me a while, but they actually make a ship in three body problem that can transmit gravitational waves and it is a perfect tic tac shape, which I thought was was interesting. Apparently that shape is quite kind of amenable to to generating these gravitational waves if given enough power. Let let's jump on to media then for this year because this is one thing I like talking about this kind of stuff. What are you excited for in terms of media that's going to come up? I've got four or five things here in terms of documentaries, movies, um, a book, and a Netflix series. Um, and then one sort of outside one that's just because it's been on the radar for a while. Lol, um, my spy <laughs> one radar. Um, the three body plot prop. Oh my god, Almighty! The three body problem series. Dan, you're going to correct me because it's not the three body problem series. Is it? <laughs> I literally just thought that you know me too well. You've um, done it I several wish... times. We just need to change the name to Three Body Problem Series. Is what everyone calls it. It's what everyone knows it as. But, but that's uh, the, the, first the author calls it the um, Remembrance of Earth's Past trilogy. Yeah. Um, and and that really you'd get why it's called that um, in book two and three because it becomes much more of a historical kind of hindsight thing, recounting events and how society reacted to them. We won't spoil it, but obviously the three-body problem got some notoriety online. Lou Elizondo had mentioned it, hadn't he? It was one of the first big sci-fi books out of China, given they're very strict on what gets published in terms of that sort of thing in China as well. Um, it, it got critical acclaim. Um, it was translated into English. That's why parts of it can be a bit of a labour to get through because of the translation. There are sometimes you'll read a sentence and go, did I read that correctly? And you go back and it's just slightly misworded, but it's literally no more than a slight miswording. You you understand what it means. It's really interesting. I never got through the full first book just because life got in the way, but Netflix commissioned and have made a series that's going to be out this year that I'm guessing, Dan, you're very much looking forward to as well. But also there's an animated version coming out too, isn't there? There is, yeah. And I would say I'm looking forward to that more, mostly because one, animation just allows you to do anything. Um, I know CGI is pretty good these days, but the CGI gets quite ropey if you're not, if you don't have the budget, you, you know, to, to make it look great. So animated, you, you can get a little more abstract with. Um, and also the Netflix series is directed by the guys that did Game of Thrones and kind of just tanked that last season. Uh, so they, they don't really have a lot of faith kind of behind them um, for this like really high concept really you know hard to digest in some ways uh sci-fi uh would be the word it, like concept um, something yeah, like that co concept yeah <laughs> dan is, is a hard one to sum up so i'm not going to be cruel i'm going to give you around 15 words one sentence to sum up what the three body problem is about oh yeah i, I can do this uh so humanity detects a signal from another civilization and it turns out that that civilization is coming to take the planet away from us hijinks that's in shit. 20 22 that's about 23 <laughs> words i think i counted there just offhand so i kept it concise uh, failed you failed miserably i asked it for it on the 31st of october you presented it on the 12th of january <laughs> well done um so yeah, um, other series that are coming out, uh, Leslie Kane's UFO series that people were worried was going to be down the pan because of a merger at CNN. It was announced just in the last couple of days as it's going to be National Geographic has picked it up, which is owned by Disney, uh, who own everything 
including me in this podcast and Dan, so brilliant. <laughs> um, Dan's wearing his Mickey Mouse ears as we speak. Um, but no, it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. It's going to be on National Geographic. Um, it's going to be on a few different uh, platforms uh, to watch. Hulu as well and Vice, Hulu. I think it is. Yeah, what a fun name to say, Hulu. Um, Hulu. I've never watched anything on Hulu, even though we do have it here in the UK. It's not really as big as as in the States. Um, I think I so watched you- some of the Marvel shows on Hulu. Uh, but yeah that's about it yeah it's uh, it's going to be on a few platforms folks it's good that it's still coming out um dan you saw some teasers for it when you're at the inquire anomalous conference uh yeah. King and james Dolly's. um very quickly can you sum up what you saw looks great contains some interviews with people we haven't seen before like helene cooper who co-wrote the the 2017 new york times article seems like it's going to be important to get that information yep uh next up Dan, uh, Blink-182 related, Angels and Airwaves related, Tom DeLonge's Monsters in California, which we have seen a trailer for. That looks like a kind of teen slasher movie, ghost story, UFO movie, all in one um, stoner romp, potentially. (laughs) (laughs) It looks fun. But Tom said is a lot of the ideas that he's talked about over the years have been put into this film. And one of the things he wants to do with the the new direction of Two of the Stars, the media empire, is to tell these sorts of stories that he talks about if you follow him in social media and interviews through the form of, you know, he's done it in books, he's done it in song, he wants to do it through movies. And uh, I think we're still waiting and finding out the distributor for this. Is it going to go to cinemas? Uh, it'll be Cartel. Um, the, that... the guys who made uh, Tales from the Crypt, uh, okay. the Crypt Keeper. Um, so yeah, Stan Spry is is the head of that company, and he's been working with Tom to to kind of do this stuff. Um, so it's yeah, going to go streaming. It. I yeah. imagine streaming yeah. straight away, um, which will be interesting because I, I get a feeling Tom's going to hold this till like Halloween or something like that, and then Blink will be in full swing. So, so someone said to me the other day, "Do you are you here for the truth or entertainment?" and I was like, uh, you can kind of be both because we need the entertainment as an on-ramp to bring people that aren't necessarily here because they're obsessed with UFOs, you know? Um, it, it's a really good way to bring them on board. And- Dan, and on that, yeah, there's people who listen to this show purely for entertainment and just have an interest. There's people who listen for a bit of both. There are people who purely enjoy the science talk. There are people who, like when I said I had Chris Plain coming on, again, not to hype that, but people were like, oh, brilliant science. I love the science and tech when it's intertwined with UFOs. There are others who love the more out there side of things. You know, Paul Sinclair and his stories about, Mm -hmm. you know, night people and um, the Hunmanby incident that we're going to talk about. Yeah, 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 the night people, yeah, nighttime Jerry. that there's there's a whole host of things and they don't all have to be mutually exclusive and that's why when we do these you try to you try to appeal to everything because i think we've got that interest that you can see the entertaining side of things the things that i look at like i've mentioned andrew d Basiaggio before the guy who's claimed to have basically time traveled to has jumped from to mars with president obama stuff i used to listen to on youtube for like four hours and i found fascinating do i believe it <sighs> probably probably didn't happen folks unless president obama comes out and confirms he he knows that guy um but it's interesting same with linda moulton howe's stories that she tells of other folks recounts of their stories you know about antarctica and things like that it's it's entertainment for some for others it's infotainment and then you know it's everything in between for other folks as well but yeah it's it's another way to tell stories to a new generation especially through things like monsters in california for people who may not have an interest in the UFO subject that get involved because of that, because they hear someone on Rogan, because they see the three-body problem on Netflix, because Lou Elizondo's book comes out and he does a nationwide tour. He'll get slated by some, 
obviously, for making money by writing his life story and it was all a ruse and he's a grifter. But so many more people are going to pick up that and get involved in the UFO topic because they see that story. It's yeah. happened before, it'll happen again. So that's that's just the nature of the whole topic. And it's no different to many, many other topics as well. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. And and on that note, hopefully this year we'll see at least the first episode of Secret Machines or maybe a trailer um, of that TV series that the TTSA are making with legendary pictures. I'm thinking trailer at best. Probably trailer. We'll get some casting news probably and you know see it kind of developing. But I'm excited for that one because that's kind of like a Dan Brown, but with UFOs. And it mm. kind of incorporates a bunch of history and it'll just get people's gears turning a bit like Nope did, you know, where it was talking about UFOs as a life form, a little bit of a different approach to, to get people just thinking a bit more. I've enjoyed the audiobook. I'm going through the first Secret Machines and I'm, I'm something like three-fifths of the way through it. What an arbitrary number to pick. Six-tenths of the way through <laughs> it, just over halfway. Um, and it's been really interesting, the jumping back and forward between the, you know, the concentration camp story that's part of it, the Nazi tech that's part of it. You then go into the to modern day, you, you hear about things that have happened in the past and it's it's starting to kind of come together, which is really interesting as well. Do, do you do you find that it kind of prompts you to, like you'll read something and kind of go, wait, is that true? And then you'll go and Google it and then you'll kind of find no, a little bit I'm more read, information. No, because I'm, I'm, I'm listening to it on audio. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I tend to be driving or, yeah, I think it's always been when I've been driving back and forward to Glasgow. If I've okay. been myself, so I've like had it on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I need Apple to release like a mental note-taking app that um, <laughs> I can just think. Uh, Neuralink, there you go. Um, and one other thing that's coming out this year, um, it's been coming out for a few years now, and I'm just Wait. interested as... Oh, go on. I, I was just going to say, you just mentioned Neuralink, so let's talk about Danny Sheehan and the helmets. Oh, I did with Chris Plain. Uh, oh, cool. He's a folk. What did you think of that? It, it was and an interesting statement. Very quickly, very quickly, tell people who might not have heard that what you're talking about first. So Danny Sheehan was on Coast to Coast and he kind of dropped this this bombshell that uh, they'd, you know, the, the royal they, um, had found basically helmets um, at crash sites uh, that allowed a telepathic interface with the UFO or the ship to control it. Um, and it got people talking a lot because they were just like... This was mentioned in uh, before before Roswell by Corso. Um, it's been in a number of different you, you know TVs, shows, and movies that were supposedly informed by kind of people in the know that yeah, there they, they were these helmets that they would put on to kind of interface with the ship. For me, the use of the word telepathy was interesting because telepathy usually talks about you know two living beings kind of talking without any interface between them, as opposed to. Neuralink or something like mm -hmm. that, which is called, and I'm going to mess this word up, but electroencephalography. Hey, I pulled it off. Uh, but that's what it's called when you put sensors on your head and kind of read it. And it kind of takes the magic away from it. Unless, as we have heard from many people, the ship is considered conscious. And then you are interfacing telepathically with it. Um, and the greys kind of become the ship's avatars and tools to go out into the world and explore, which is, you know, kind of a, a new angle on it. What, what did you think about the helmets? Danny Sheehan is an intelligent guy. He has a law, a very interesting law background. He has been involved with many of the kind of top names in the UFO topic over the years, all the way from, you know, Stephen Greer on one side to Lou Elizondo on the other and, and other folks in between. And now and again, he throws out these incredible claims. 
and I get why you get people saying, and I threw out a poll for this, I had like 2,000 votes, and largely, let me let me find the poll, Dan, so fill time for me for a second, right? Yeah, I think, for sure. While, while you find the poll, I'll just kind of tee up. Danny spoke about um, an organization that's going to be launched this year, a 501c3 public interest organization to shadow the work of Arrow. Um, Gary Nola's on board. He said it's getting donations. They've got facilities. They've got, as I say, donations. Um, they want to essentially shadow the work of Arrow so that Congress and other people will know that Arrow aren't mucking around. Uh, they'll have a bit more freedom to talk about it. This thing's called the Institute for Preparing Our Human Family for Contact, which will probably change. It's quite long. The acronym is going to be awkward. Um, but this will be announced later in 2023. Uh, but yeah, the idea is it'll be based in LA. Uh, they're going to be working on transparency and maximum public disclosure. So thank you for that. The poll I put up was, I'm curious where opinion sits. When you hear a prominent name like Danny Sheehan in the world of UFOs say that there are recovered helmets that help control our pilot craft, where does your mind immediately go? And the options were excitement, nonsense, curious, or other. Uh, excitement got 18%, nonsense about the same on 195 57% curious, and 5.5% other. So I think still largely folk leaning towards, oh, that's really interesting, and yeah, for for me that that's as far as it goes. Oh, interesting comment. I'd love I'd love to know more. Yeah, yeah, that's, I would agree, and, and that's really that information's not there. So yeah, but I, uh, that's why I like telling everyone they were helmets. Yeah. We, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I could make a joke there, but I won't. Um, <laughs> I think I know you very much. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tell you off air. Um, the that's why I like listening to Danny Sheehan but also why I can see folks who would say, utter nonsense, where's the proof? But I I don't mind that in the UFO subject, people speculating or bringing stuff up. It makes me go, ah, that, that would be really cool. Um, the other documentary I was going to mention that's due to come out, but has been coming out now for several years, is Capel Green, which is a retrospective look at the Rendlesham Forest incident. Um, from what I've seen, and they're meant to be coming on the podcast, as they're going to do many others at the time for launch, is that they're putting a lot of work into it, that more people came forward. They're putting a lot of work into the post-production, but it's been happening for a while now. Um, so just out of pure curiosity, I really want to see that. And I'm going to give um, Paul Sinclair, who was on the podcast last week and fantastically popular. He guest. was great. Yeah, oh, Paul was Paul was wonderful and a very different accent here on the podcast as well, which is always nice. Um he has a documentary coming out in collab collaboration with a few others called Wolflands, which is uh, if you're talking Skinwalker stuff, that's that's what we're looking at with Wolflands as well. So again, Paul promises a high production value, which is always something I look for. You know that as well. You're the same, Dan, um, with a lot of very interesting anecdotal and data uh, within it as well. So look forward to Wolflands coming out and Paul is going to be back on in a couple of months to talk about that too when it's released. And, and just to emphasize as well, Paul Paul said in the podcast that he was not expecting for his kind of career to take him in this direction, the, the no. cryptids and stuff like that. It's just that the phenomenon includes it. So he has to kind of address it. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. And uh, we mentioned Lou Elizondo's book, Dan. It's, Lou said himself he hopes it's out by the end of the year. Um, what are you expecting? So for me, the, the most exciting thing about it... Um, you know, the IG document, the IG complaint that he put in uh, really details chronologically kind of what happened or sap onwards. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing before that 
lose experience with everything and his work and things like that. Kind of like the Lex Fredman interview with Ryan Graves, right? Just let, let's kind of get an idea of how big of a deal Lou Elizondo was uh, in, in his career. Uh, because we've heard from people in Australia, um, kind of intelligence, from people in the UK, all of them say, this guy's a heavy hitter, we should listen to him. Um, so we'll finally kind of get those bits of story. But also, when Lou submits his book to kind of be reviewed by the DOD, a bunch of departments there are going to say, you can't say that, you can't say that, you can't say that. And they all have to, if they redact it, they'll be listed as being one of the places that redacted stuff. So we essentially get given targets from this book to kind of say, hey, they're holding the public back from talking about this stuff um, and holding Lou back from talking about this stuff. So I, I expect it will bring probably some legislative language to kind of say this department specifically has to start talking about XYZ. I hope we get some nuggets that people go, well, I didn't know that. Lou has never said that. Or he expands on some things that he said, but also gives us a little bit more of a why he hasn't said it. Because I'm sure there are going to be numerous people out there who are ready to jump on. You've been asked that before. There may be questions I've asked him on a podcast that he never quite answered, or he said something different that he's going to give something else in the book. And that's that's fine. But I would just love to see the reasons why or some context as, as far as he can go with things as well. So that's, that's one I'm looking forward to. And let's be fair, the whole UFO community, whether they love or hate Lou or have uh, no feelings whatsoever, are probably going to want to see or, or hear about that anyway. So that's, yeah. that's definitely one that will no doubt... I, I expect it'll be a very successful book. Yeah, I mean, just just through marketing alone and the people who are publishing it, It'll do well. So, yeah, there you go. Um, any more media, Dan, before we move on to the kind of maybe science and tech stuff? Um, the Obama, Betty Hill, uh, Betty and Barney yeah. Hill production. I expect we'll see probably, again, a trailer for that because it's not in production yet. Um, but that will kind of look at, uh, you, you know, the lives of an interracial couple in the 1960s uh, who have a horrifying encounter with the UFO. Um, and... Having read the script, I can say that there are some really interesting changes to the story. For example, the ship is tic-tac-shaped. It bounces around like a ping-pong ball. At one point, it turns into a sphere, rolls along the road, and dips into the tarmac of the road, and then shoots upwards and leaves. So little things like that. I'm just like, oh, that's interesting that you would change that specific thing and update it to, to kind of this transmedium idea. Um, it also, I don't want to spoil it because it, it was a really cool story. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it, it directly links kind of the civil rights work of Barney and Betty with their encounter with otherworldly beings. Uh, so it's going to be interesting seeing how, how people kind of reckon with that. Cool. Awesome. Uh, and I think there's a lot of exciting media to come as well. Um, and we'll see what comes out in terms of the, the cinema world, loosely connected things like Ant-Man, Quantumania, and the new Marvel phase with multiverse, you know, some of those ideas being explored yeah, is always really sure. interesting. And um, we'll mention those as, as and when they come out as well. We, I, I should also say we will have a season two of Phenomenology coming out. Yes, sorry. Um, and we're pretty much planned the first night. A bunch of us are going up the mountain with torches and we're going to kind of get some reference images of what it looks like uh, with us up the mountain with torches versus what we think were Earth lights that we filmed. Uh, so that's going to be fun. There'll be a whole new team of people, some of which people will know. Uh, they'll be announced in kind of due course. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that one. That should be a, a fun trip and a very enlightening forward step in the project and less traveling for you dan this time given you're not going from the uk yes out to south america <laughs> yeah yeah precisely <laughs> 
yeah, I'll be watching from a distance here in the northeast of England, folks, you know, in the shed, in the cold. Um, and finally, Dan, I think a few kind of random bits to add on. The James Webb updates are again due this year. There are some photographs due to be presented in the near future. I think those will they'll always be exciting because we're seeing some incredible images. We're seeing some images that we've already had, but in just far more detail than we ever imagined. We're seeing things appearing that just weren't there previously and scientists astronomers are going what is that which i love that they're genuinely like we never thought that would be there we don't know what that is which is always yeah. really really interesting people think sorry there's a little bang in from the cleaners outside my room um but uh people think time of day. <laughs> folk think eureka is kind of the the sound of science being discovered but actually it's probably hmm we were wrong. That's interesting. Is probably yeah. a much more propulsive moment. Um, for example, James Webb Telescope is finding that there are a lot, a lot more early galaxies than we thought there should be. So that's going to take some some kind of figuring out because it seems that things weren't quite right uh, about calculations about the Big Bang and things like that. Um, and of course, some people think that there was no Big Bang and that the universe is cyclical. Uh, people like, um, <clears throat> oh damn, I forget his name. Uh, Carl Sagan, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> no, uh, Roger, I forget his name. Uh, he, he won a Nobel Prize. Federer. Um, no, that was a grand he, slam. <laughs> he speaks about consciousness as fundamental to the universe. Uh, someone, I guarantee listeners are going to be screaming at, at, at the thing, but it's just blank from my mind. Yeah, here. keep going. Um, but yeah, well, well, I can see you looking it up. So Penrose. Penrose, that's it. Roger Penrose. Thank you so much. Yeah, his theory is OKOR, and he thinks that consciousness is fundamental to the universe. So we're going to have a lot more about that um, because the science says that you know we're wrong about the early universe. Some things that James Webb is going to be exploring as well. Um, more planetary spectroscopy, uh, where it just looks at the chemicals in the atmosphere. Um, will it pick up signs of organic chemistry in an atmosphere soon? Hopefully this year we, we would find out. Um, they're looking for small moons in the Mar Martian system. Um, they're looking at the coldest imaged exoplanet. Uh, so we're looking at kind of essentially water worlds, ice worlds. So there could be life there. Probing uh, the subsurface oceans of Europa, uh, which is interesting because I don't know if you've seen uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, but there's a big thing about life being in the oceans on Europa and, and humans not being able to visit it. Um, so that's been kind of prevalent in the sci-fi community for years. Looking at free-floating planetary mass objects, essentially planets that just aren't part of a solar system and they're just kind of floating through the, the universe, mm -hmm. um, they would have some extreme conditions. Looking at the center of the galaxy as well, at Sagittarius A, that black hole, um, because, yeah, they, there are some really interesting kind of correlations between the Earth facing that and remote viewing kind of being a bit more powerful in those moments. Yes. Uh, so, I, I mean, I don't imagine that the James Webb team are going to talk about remote viewing, but we'll certainly get to kind of put that data together. Um, and just generally kind of seeing back further into the universe and looking at large asteroids, maybe things like Oumuamua, um, not Oumuamua because that's kind of gone, but similar things to it. Um, and on that front, we'll, we'll also be kind of seeing the Galileo project, uh, one kind of dragging the, the Pacific Ocean for an object that fell there. Um, that is probably a meteor, but it could be anything. It's extrasolar, um, as well as their first peer-reviewed papers um, and the results kind of from their sensor systems they've had set up. 
Awesome. And related to that, the NASA study that is currently underway with a, a whole host of individuals, uh, not necessarily UFO friendly, as we've talked about in the past, is due to be concluded in April. Um, that again, no, folks, I think if you're if you're looking at the U, UFO report that's came out, it's very much a study that's set up to decide whether this is worthy of further investigation, not one that's necessarily going to throw up, oh, look what we found in the archives, or here's some interesting footage, or here's a UFO we've caught on camera when we were studying. That's not what this is. But hopefully that bears some fruit that we get a more well-funded, well-rounded and stringent program set up to really investigate the subject from that point of view with NASA. And they would obviously tie in to potentially Arrow as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Bill Nelson, the head of NASA, he was one of the first people briefed on those committees. Um, so he would have seen, you, you know, that kind of 23 minutes of, of sci-fi that we, we were told existed uh, in the form of UAP footage. So yeah, we'll see their study plan being unveiled, what they need to, to kind of actually study this stuff. And for all we know in that report, they could say, yeah, we need access to the NASA archives because it seems like there's some, there's some, you know, there's some smoke there. So there could be some fire there too. So we, we need to look, but yeah, that's forthcoming and, and that'll be exciting to see. And the final moment, Stan, anything else that you think's worth shouting about coming up in 2023? Uh, well, I've got a few things, so I'll just, I'll list them really concisely because I Go know on. we've gone over on time. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get some follow-up to that fusion news that we had. Um, you know, they were using 20-year-old equipment. That is now going to be applied to more modern equipment, so we could see some amazing results there. We're going to get Chris Bledsoe's book in March, uh, UFO of God, which whether you agree or disagree, it's information, and, and you can kind of take it as you want. You, you know, it will be really interesting whatever happens. On that one, but, my interview with Chris is already arranged. It's just literally waiting on the book coming out to to talk about it. So that is that is happening, folks. With Chris's people, that's sorted. Before or after the book comes out? About that time. Okay. I don't even think they have got an exact date yet, but it should be about the week of release. Cool. The that, last that'd message. be excellent and enlightening. Then we've got. I'm sure we'll see some new books this year from Michael Masters, Graham Rendell. Uh, they're always very exciting, um, and they could have some excellent covers. I'd recommend some folk watch the new series of Ancient Aliens because you might see a familiar face in there too. Yes, Ryan uh, Sprague is on there. <laughs> yes, Ryan Sprague's on there, yeah. Um, there will also be an experience of study taking place in Cardiff in the UK by Dr. Daniel Stubbins. He's not kind of talking to experiences to, to say whether their experiences are real or not. He's talking to them about what they need to be helped. I think this is a really good place to start from because, yeah, we, we, we just need to take it seriously. It's going to be UK-based, 8 to 10 people. Um, if you're in the UK and you've had an experience and, you know, even consistent experiences over your life, uh, get in touch. You know, Andy can pass things on to me and, and I'll pass them on to Dan or he can pass them on to Dan himself. Um, and it would be good to just to help that happen. We will probably sure. get a follow-up to some of the phosphine on Venus news. Um, it's been a little while now since we heard about that. Um, a bunch of new sensors are on their way to kind of the planet to, to scan and see whether life is there um, or the processes of life. Still undecided. Some agree, some disagree, but basically more science on that front. So we should hear something there. And then the last thing from me would just be on the 1st of second and 2nd of February this year, um, go outside and look up. Um, there'll be a comet called C2022E3ZTF kind of mm. a, a great name everyone knows that one yeah um it was only discovered in march last year uh it should you should be able to see it with a naked eye but um it, 
it's not been this close to Earth in about 50,000 years. So make sure to go see it. Awesome. And hopefully it's not that close to us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're slightly off in the old calculations and we end up with, God, what was the movie that came out last year? But it was the... Um, oh, Look Up. <laughs> yeah, Don't Look Up. Yeah, that was, Don't a, up, that, was, yeah. that was that was a fun watch, but yeah, and interesting. Um, but yeah, listen, folks, thanks very much for listening this far in. Uh, this one's going to go out next up. We've got Chris Plain on the podcast talking science, technology, and we've hinted at some of the things that are coming up there as well. Really interesting chat. Steve Aspen will then be on to talk about the intergenerational abduction experience uh, through his years of research and investigations from his book Out of Time. You can check that one out and we'll be recording hopefully in the next week or so, Dan, the Missing 411, the UFO Connection review that we watched before Christmas. People are asking about the David Pallides interview. Again, I've heard back from his people today. Um, It was double booked. I was literally sitting, ready to record, waiting and uh, David never showed up. No no hard feelings. It happens. He was just double booked and didn't didn't, uh, realise. So... I'm waiting on a rescheduling, but David should be coming back on. Um, and then as the kind of next couple of weeks go on, I'll have some announcements for guests for February as well. Um, a little one on that, Bryce Zabel will be coming on in February around President's Week. And Bryce suggested actually we do a show around presidents and UFOs. So that's something I'll be talking to with Bryce. So looking forward to that one. And make sure you check out Bryce and Ross Coulthard's podcast, Need to Know, which is extremely popular always a good listen and two very interesting characters as well they've got great voices for this kind of stuff don't they 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 really do they they did uh if people aren't familiar with the wilson documents they did a reading of that just before christmas highly recommend go and listen to it because yeah if, if you can't be bothered to sit down and read those documents there's not a more entertaining way to do it in my opinion well dan thank you for joining me thank you for having me and you know what ross coulthart says to anyone who he doesn't uh you know like what they say <laughs> Have a good one, folks. Hi, everyone. If you listen to the podcast on an Apple device, you can support directly by going on to Apple Podcasts and clicking the subscribe button. And for less than the price of a coffee per month, you can get early access to episodes, episodes in full, and no adverts or sponsorships like this one you're hearing now. It also supports directly to me at the podcast, so thank you very much. Also, don't forget to go and leave the podcast on Apple a five-star review and make sure you click the follow button too. Thanks. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little Imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz.
jumped back and nearly kissed myself. And I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head. And everything was weird and everything was wet. And I called out to my boys. They thought this was noise. They thought it was a dream. They thought it was my toys. They thought it was my problems. And I think I should seek therapy. And I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me. Consider your space, consider your lies, consider your life, consider your own.